0: to Second Chronicles chapter 7, that's on page 363 of our Pew Bibles. Uh, this is a, a, a Thanksgiving sermon as well as a, a stewardship sermon. And here we see how um, God graciously uh, not only encourages us but teaches us about why we are to be giving to the Lord, how we are to be giving to the Lord next sunday we'll 'll we'll begin our our advent series uh, leading up to Christmas, thinking about the glory of Christ, uh, but I invite you to follow along in scripture second chronicles chapter seven that 's on page three hundred and sixty three of our pew bibles i 'm actually going to begin reading with uh, chapter six verse Hear God's word. This is Solomon's prayer by the way. Now, O oh my God, let your ear your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayer of this place. And now arise, O oh Lord God, and go to your resting place. You and the ark of your might, let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let your saints rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away from the face of your anointed one. Remember your steadfast love for David, your servant. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down, and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement, and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. Uh, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we, we do thank you Uh, for giving to us your, your word, your holy word, living word. Thank you for the loving truth that you speak to us, even today, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And pray, Lord, that you would be giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, touch our hearts, inform our minds, move our wills, that we would be living by your grace with grateful, thankful hearts. And we give you thanks always in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, today marks, I believe, the official end of our Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, we've gathered together to, to feast. Watch football with family and friends. Probably ate too much food. Watched too much football. Uh, hopefully, though, we paused to give thanks uh, for temporal blessings of great food, safe travels, uh, tasty pumpkin pie. Uh, you know, but on this Lord's Day, and really every day, it's vital for us to learn to give. Grateful thanks to the Lord. You know, think of all the things that we readily learn as children. The parents teach their children, teachers, grandparents, siblings. You know, we teach children how, how to learn to walk without falling, you know, to feed themselves with a minimal cleanup. Uh, they amazingly learn how to talk. Becoming quite conversant at an early age. You know, if we can teach all these things to growing children, you know, and even how and when to give thanks, you know, how much should growing Christians learn to be giving thanks to the Lord? You know, this morning I'd invite you to, to turn to Second Chronicle 7 or stay there. Again, that's on page 363. And, and hear again that third verse of Second Chronicles 7. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying... For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. You know, here in this portion of scripture, we learn this, that those who glimpse the Lord's glory gratefully learn to give him thanks. You know, and, and that is to be a lifelong lesson. And I believe we'll be doing that uh, forever with the Lord, always giving him thanks well, how can we learn to give the Lord thanks? You know, three truths here, uh, just in these three short verses. We learn to give the Lord thanks through prayer, you know, his presence, that's P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, but then as well through praise. It begins with prayer. Prayer calls us to give thanks to the Lord. It may have been a while since you've read through Second Chronicles. We finished it up this morning in Sunday school, but uh, to bring us all up to speed, Second Chronicles was written, given to God's people after they returned from exile in Babylon, so somewhere around 538 B.C. before Christ, uh, in the Hebrew canon, this actually is the last book of the Old Testament uh, because it was the last one to be written. In Second Chronicles, uh, uh, it teaches us lessons about holy worship, about the heartache of sin, and our saving hope in God. Here, as we pick up the account in Second Chronicles 7, the situation is this. King Solomon has finished building the temple. And rightly, and pleasing to God, Solomon prays. And that prayer actually began back in 2 Chronicles 6, verse 14. One of the longest, one of the greatest prayers here in the Old Testament, Solomon's prayer starts off, uh, we can read it, Second Chronicles 6, 14, and said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart, and I'll, I'll let you read uh, the rest uh, later on today. And, and so here we're at the close of Solomon's prayer, read those closing verses there at the end of Second Chronicles six, and as we pick it up there, Second Chronicles seven verse one. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, he concluded his prayer. You know, look at what Scripture tells us. You know, the, these three supernatural events that that clearly teach us about the glory and grace of God. First of all, fire came down from heaven. You know, this is God's holy fire. To give you just two examples from God's word, you know, in the Old Testament, you remember when God brought judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, not only for their sin, but for their failure, sinful failure to repent of their sins. God brought judgment upon them uh, with fire. And so it's, fire speaks not only of God's judgment, but it speaks as well of his purification. You know, Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 28 and 29, you know, thinking of fire as purification, God's purification. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So that's the first sign. You know, and if that's not enough, look at the second supernatural sign. This this fire came down, and it consumed. Uh, the word there is literally ate up or devoured the burnt offering and the sacrifices. You know, here the fire comes down uh, to show God's gracious acceptance of these sacrifices. Uh, You see an earlier example of this going back to Leviticus chapter 9, uh, verses 22 and 24. Uh, Leviticus chapter 9, verse 22, Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And then here, verse 24. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted, and they fell on their faces. You know, so fire came down from heaven, God's judgment, God's purification. It consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. You know, God's gracious acceptance of these sacrifices. You know, and here it's important to, to know, you know, at, at the very least, that, that all of these Old Testament sacrifices, you know, ultimately point us ahead to Christ. There's a, a great uh, book if you're looking to start your Christmas shopping want to buy books. R.C. Sproul has a, a book entitled What's in the Bible? It's a great overview of the Bible, giving some of the uh, background and theology as well. Uh, but in writing about the Old Testament sacrifices, uh, this is what Dr. Sproul writes. Christ... Pardon for us is spelled out in big bloody letters. You are forgiven. You know, so so even here in 2 Chronicles, I believe it's pointing us ahead, you know, to Christ, to the sacrifice of Christ. The fire came down, consumed. You know, God graciously accepted uh, these sacrifices. And then finally, the glory of the Lord. Filled the temple. You know, more on this as we look at the following two verses. You know, but keep the big picture in mind. As Solomon concluded his prayer, fire came down from heaven, consumed the offerings before the glory of the Lord filled his house. Uh, You would never forget that if you were there it would be indelibly burned into your memory in a good way you know when solomon finished his prayer you know and we'll see it's a call to give thanks to the lord you know it's good that we teach children toddlers how to give thanks to the lord don't don't ever think, well, they're just memorizing it and spitting it out. No, you know, it's sinking in. One of the prayers, and hopefully, you know, we still teach this to children, you know, is this prayer. You know, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hand we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. You know, this short prayer is scripturally profound. You know The greatness of God, the, the goodness of God, uh, these truths about God's greatness and glory call us to give thanks to the Lord for his amazing grace. You know, let us saturate our, our prayers with glad and grateful thanks to our gracious God. You know, if you're struggling or need help in your prayer life, and don't we all need help, just give thanks to God. You can pray that prayer too. Lord, thank you that, that you are great. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you provide for our daily food. You'll see that theme of thanksgiving and prayer saturates God's word. I'll give you one example, Isaiah chapter 12, uh, verse 1 and 2, you will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. How do we learn to give thanks? It it starts with prayer. That, that call, that calls us to give thanks to the Lord. You know, but the second lesson is one of presence. You know, and again, that's P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. You know, it compels us to give thanks to the Lord. Submit to you, uh, for us as Christians, thanks Giving thanks is not an option. It's not an accessory. You know, it's to be at the core of our walk of faith with the Lord. You know, three times in three verses uh, were told that the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. Uh, the glory of the Lord was on the temple. Think of that, the the glory of the Lord. Uh, Again, going to give you some scriptural examples, it's the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 40. Actually, the glory of the Lord was there when Korah was rebelling, uh, not only against Moses, but rebelling against the Lord there in Numbers chapter 16. You know, and of course, we see the glory of the Lord with the incarnation of Christ. You know, that angel announcing to the the shepherds, and Scripture tells us, Luke chapter 2, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. You know, to, to give you some other ways of picturing it, you know, it's called the effulgent glory of the Lord the Shekinah glory of the Lord, God's radiant righteousness. You know, his resplendent splendor. Uh, there's a picture of it earlier, Second Chronicles chapter five. This is when the ark is brought to the temple before Solomon's prayer. Uh, Second Chronicles chapter five verse thirteen. Uh, we read And it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. You know, again, if you were to go back to First Chronicles 16, David, King David, is giving thanks to God for his glory. Again, it's with the presence of God. The ark, which was a tangible symbol of the presence of God, is being brought into Jerusalem You know, and David gives thanks for the glory of God. And and truly, there's only two responses when we behold the glory of God. You know, and that first response is one of terror. You know, we feel the crushing burden of sin. Uh, We we flee in fear. You know, we're like Adam and Eve. Hiding in the Garden of Eden, like Jonah fleeing to Tarshish. But there is a second and more scriptural response to the glory of God, and that's one of thanksgiving. We read this, 1 Chronicles 16, verse 35. 1 Chronicles 16, 35. This is towards the end of David's song. And say also... Save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. No one can be bored or indifferent to the glory of God. You know, Either in the Old Testament or New Testament. John chapter one, verse fourteen, how does it begin? The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. It's either terror or thanksgiving. You know, as your pastor, it's my humble prayer that the Lord would graciously use. You know, our times together to to teach you and to teach me about the glory of the gospel. You know, it's vital that we learn about the glory of God, the grace of God, how to give thanks to God. I believe it's more important that you learn how to give gospel thanks to the Lord. And here I say this cautiously, but scripturally, you know, we're considering a budget. You know, it's more important that we learn how to give gospel thanks to the Lord than learning how to give of your gold and silver. You know, if you're giving thanks to the Lord, it's real natural. It makes perfect scriptural sense to to give of your tithes and offerings to the Lord. To give our worship, and again, you know, say this maybe a little bit of hesitation it's more important that we give of our worship than we give of our worldly wealth know the presence the first lesson about how to give thanks is prayer the second lesson is the presence compels us to give thanks to the lord and finally there in verse 3 and and we'll linger here a little bit longer is praise Prayer, presence, praise, centers, praise centers on grateful thanks to the Lord. You know, look there at verse 3. You know, when all the people of Israel, literally all the sons of Israel, all the sons and daughters, you know, these were people who had true saving faith in the Lord. Not casual observers, not spectators, you know, when all the people of Israel saw, you know, they they saw the descending fire from heaven, they saw the glory of the Lord uh, that filled the house and the temple. And there is a, a threefold response here of praise and worship. Look, look at what Scripture teaches us there in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 3. What's their response uh, to the glory of God? First is humble praise. They bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement. They, they knew they were unworthy sinners. You know, and... and Truly, that's the right first response to the glory of God, you know, like, like Isaiah and Isaiah six. You know, I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, here they are—they are falling down in, in humble praise. Secondly, they—it's it, holy worship, humble praise, holy worship, and and they worship. They all worshipped. You know, isn't that a right response, our scriptural response uh, to God's presence, to the power of prayer, giving thanks to the Lord? You know, It struck me, doing the, the study this week, you know, that response of, of holy worship Giving grateful thanks to the Lord, you see it in the New Testament as well. Matthew chapter twenty-eight. This is after the resurrection of Christ, and two times in Matthew twenty-eight. First in verse nine, we read this, and behold, Jesus met them and said greetings. And what's their response? And they came up to hold of his feet and worshipped him. You know. Then again, verse seventeen. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. You know, a response to, to this descending fire, to the, the presence of God's glory, truly God's holy presence with us, humble praise, holy worship. But then finally and here's one of the core truths, core teachings, they gave thanks to the Lord. I believe there's an order there. Humble, praise, holy worship, and they're giving thanks to the Lord. They all gave thanks. It's God-centered thanksgiving. God-glorifying thanks. You know, last Sunday afternoon we had a uh, a worship service with Sister Church, Miracle Place Church of Acadiana, and one of the things that we did along with singing was uh, read verses of Scripture that speak of thanks. Have a list of it. It's not an exhaustive list, but probably 30 verses or more. Um, But one of those verses is uh, Jeremiah 33, verse 11, Jeremiah 33, verse 11, uh, that we read, and I'll read it for us. The voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the voices of those who sing as they bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord, give thanks to the Lord of hosts. For the Lord is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And and there are two critical linchpins there for, for our thanks. You know, if we're trying to boil this down, Scripture does it for us. Why do we give thanks, or what are we to give thanks to God for? Two basic, vital scriptural truths. One you know, again, Second Chronicle seven, verse three. For he is good. You know that that's at the very core of God's being. He is good. I imagine that was a gracious word of comfort after God's people beheld the devouring fire. The glory of the Lord filled the temple. You know, are are we going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah? Is the Lord going to? incinerate us as well, justly. And instead, they they cry out, Lord, you're good. The Lord, the faithful, covenant-keeping God is good. But then secondly, his steadfast love endures forever. You know, his, the Hebrew word, you want to pronounce it, but Don't say it when you're standing near someone. It's sort of a guttural, easy to spit. The the word is chesed. You know, God's steadfast love, God's covenant faithfulness. You know, it's one of the core truths from which we get the word grace. You know, his steadfast love endures forever. Lord, at, at times my love for you waxes and wanes, like the tides of the ocean. Uh, I I can thank you, Thanksgiving. You know, I'm with my family, good food. You know, but it's Sunday. Go back to work Monday. Everybody scatters. Hard time of year. You know, and here we give thanks to the Lord. Your, Your steadfast love endures forever. One theologian said this is this this is a verse that, that only reformed Christians can claim. Don't know about that, still pondering that, but his steadfast love endures forever. It's not he loves me, he loves me not. Lord, your steadfast love endures forever. I'll give you a scriptural illustration and then a, a few applications in closing. You don't have to turn there, but so you know where I'm headed. Uh, Luke chapter 17, uh, verse 11 and following. I'll give you a a summary. Here, this is the great gospel account about Jesus' healing of the ten lepers. Jesus deliberately journeyed to the spot between Samaria and Galilee. You know, this is not the shortest, fastest route on his GPS. You know, he deliberately went uh, to this spot. Why did he deliberately go to this spot? So that he would meet these 10 unclean lepers. Jesus heard their heartfelt plea for his healing power. You know, verse 12, as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance because they were unclean and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You know, but it was Jesus' plan, it was Jesus' purpose to cure them. When the ten go to the priests in obedience to Jesus' command, they joyfully discover that they were all clean, but that's not the rest of the story. One of the ten, only one of the ten, in fact a Samaritan, a foreigner, comes back, turns to praise God with a loud voice. We read in verse 15, verse 16, and he fell on his face. Think of 2 Chronicles 7.3. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. You know, what was Jesus' promise then to this gracious and now grateful and now cleansed leper? Your faith has delivered you. That word is actually your faith has saved you, your faith in Christ. I believe the other nine were were cured of their leprosy, but there is only one who is truly clean, who truly knew the saving love of Christ. And that was that not only cleansed Samaritan, but that saved Samaritan. You know, we as redeemed saints ought to readily give thanks to Jesus. You know, pause for a moment. You know, reflect on all the reasons that you have even now for praising the Lord and giving him thanks. You know, it's easy to grumble. It's tempting to grumble. I'm prone to that sin. But we give God thanks that he graciously saw us in our uncleanness. It was Jesus who had mercy upon us. He graciously sought us out. He cleansed us from all our sins by his blood shed for us on the cross. How can we not bow down? and worship, and give thanks to the Lord. You know, there's a hymn that we sang last Sunday, and it's going to be our closing hymn after communion. I uh, would commend it to you for singing, for memorizing. You can YouTube it. And simple, simple and scriptural. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks, for he's given Jesus Christ his Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. The Bible calls us as Christians to express our thanks with our glad worship and our grateful giving. I believe that thankful Christians are tithing Christians. And the reason we struggle to give is because we're not very thankful for all that the Lord has done for us. We're to give sacrificially. Why? Because of the Lord's sacrificial love for us in Christ. But may we always be learning to give thanks to the Lord, always giving with grateful and thankful hearts. You know, think about that. Next time the offering plate is passed, it's not only putting your offering in the plate, But part of your prayer, my prayer should be, Lord, may I give this with a grateful and a thankful heart because of your glorious and gracious love for us in Christ. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you are the one true and living God, the one who truly loves us in Christ. Thank you that you not only spoke those words of love, but you showed us the depths of your love for us in sending us, your son, your one and only son, Jesus, to die for our sins on that cross. Lord, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that your steadfast love does endure forever. Father, may we always be grateful, thankful givers, giving of our worship because of your saving love for us in Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. We come to the Lord's table this morning.